Association of Nurse Practitioners. I'm your host, AANP President April Kapu, and this is NP Pulse, the voice of the nurse practitioner. Welcome to NP Pulse, AANP's official podcast bringing you unique nurse practitioner voices and expertise on issues that matter to NPs and our patients. The APRN consensus model was created in 2008 to align the interrelationships between four key components of advanced practice nursing, that's licensure, accreditation, certification, and education, also known as the LACE model. This model of regulation applies to all four advanced practice registered nursing roles, nurse anesthetists, nurse midwives, clinical nurse specialists, and nurse practitioners. For NPs, the model defines our patient population's age and foci, including adult gerontology, both acute care and primary care, pediatric acute and primary care, family across the lifespan care, neonatal, women's health, and psych mental health care. It's important to note that an APRN scope of practice is determined by their education, training, and board certification. Some NPs may want to work with patient populations that are outside their current certification area. Today, we'll discuss innovations in NP education and explore role alignment opportunities for those NPs who are interested in expanding their portfolio by transitioning into additional areas of clinical care. Our guests today are the authors of an April 2022 article published in the Journal for Nurse Practitioners titled Competency-Based Education for Nurse Practitioner Certification Alignment. Dr. Carolina Callie Tennyson is an assistant clinical professor at Duke University School of Nursing. She is an associate of the American College of Cardiology and provides care to advanced heart failure patients and those who are critically ill in a fast-paced hospital setting. Dr. Benjamin Small here is the lead faculty for the adult gerontology, nurse practitioner, acute care major within the MSN program at Duke University. He currently practices as an acute care clinician in the critical care unit at both Duke Raleigh Hospital and Duke Regional Hospital within the critical care medicine teams. I'm extremely pleased to welcome Dr. Callie Tennyson and Dr. Benjamin Small here. It is so good to have you here with us on our podcast today. Hi, thanks for having us. Hi, April. Thanks for having us. It's great to be with you. Well, it's always great to see you and to spend some time speaking with you. And I know um, our audience is going to want to hear everything that you all 
have done there at Duke University School of Nursing and super excited to hear more today. But first, before we get started, we really want to hear just a little bit about you, your background, how many years you've been practicing as an NP, what you do now, and um, you know, really uh, your specialty and what you're doing today. Okay, I'll I'll, yeah, I'll start. Um, so I'm an adult acute care NP. I've been practicing for 10 years. Um, and I'm also an assistant professor at the Duke University School of Nursing. I went to nursing school at East Carolina University and okay. started my nursing career in a cardiac ICU at Duke University Hospital. And after five years, I got my master's in acute care at Duke and moved into a CT surgery intensive care and loved it. Um, and I eventually did the DNP at the light blue school down the road, UNC Chapel Hill. Oh, okay. <laughs> and my DMP and my research interest is around uh, code blue quality improvement and developing okay. strategies to support families and clinicians uh, who are involved in inpatient resuscitations. And I, okay. I so code blue. That's that's resuscitation. Mm-hmm. Is that what code cardiac blue is? arrest okay. resuscitation mm-hmm. exactly. Okay. And I transitioned into academia at Doosan first as a clinical instructor and now a full-time faculty uh, working with Dr. Small here for almost six years now. And I just love the variety of effort as a faculty member, still practicing clinically, doing translational research in the health system and teaching. It's a really wonderful blend. A nice, a nice career trajectory, and I've followed you throughout your career. We both have similar interests and backgrounds, and certainly in cardiac and thoracic surgery. And I've been to your presentations, and I know you've uh, been to many of our conferences. And thank you for all of the education you've shared uh, with our AANP members throughout the years. Now, Benjamin, tell us about you. Yeah, so I received my undergraduate uh, degree in nursing from Florida State University and shortly thereafter moved to Nashville, Tennessee and started working in the Nashville area mm-hmm. um, uh, at uh, predominantly in the critical care environment and attended Vanderbilt University for my MSN as an acute and obtained my acute care nurse practitioner uh, certification uh, after completing my education there at Vanderbilt and then immediately continued into my PhD at Vanderbilt. Um, And midway through that, uh, my doctorate is when I started shifting into academia. First as a clinical instructor with the pre-specialty and the uh, MSN students there at Vanderbilt, and eventually shifted towards more heavily towards academia, where I was uh, directing the pharmacology and the adult health content for the pre-specialty students, and engaged with the um, the acute care NP students as well. Um, I then was uh, re- received a call one day from Duke University. Uh, they were uh, had seen some of my work at national conferences and were interested in if I would uh, consider taking uh, applying for the lead faculty position for the acute care uh, adult geriatric acute care program here at Duke and uh, I shortly found myself on a plane uh, coming out to Duke and then filling a U-Haul and moving out to Durham uh, where I've been in this position for almost seven years now and wow. uh, just uh, being able to to lead um, you know, one of the top schools in the nation 
uh, and having another top school in my background being Vanderbilt, right, it, it, right. it was absolutely amazing and still being able to have my Vanderbilt connections where I can collaborate with other leading schools in the country. Um, clinically, uh, the majority of my work as an acute care NP has been in the critical care setting as well. And like many of us, you dabble a little bit outside mm -hmm. of the ICU and realize where your love is. And right. so I still actively practice uh, uh, in two of Duke's community hospitals um, in the mixed ICU settings, the med surge neuro ICUs. Definitely a wonderful school. And I think they are very, very fortunate to have you there and both of you uh, working uh, with the acute care program. Now for our listeners, um, this is not fully a podcast about acute care. It's really a podcast that's focused on nurse practitioners in every setting. So please continue as we listen more um, and hear more about uh, Callie and Benjamin's journey and what they're doing that is so unique there at Duke University School of Nursing. Otherwise, as they have said, Dusan. I hear that quite a bit. I love the term Dusan and have heard from your dean and so many of your nurse practitioner faculty there. And it's just an excellent program and, and very excited to hear more about it today. So now both of you educate rising acute care NP students. And I was recently on social media and I saw a lot of pictures and I think both of you um, were taking pictures during simulation sessions um, and as part of your educational program. Um, so what were these sim sessions, uh, just out of curiosity, what were they about that day? <laughs> yes, we love sharing our work on Twitter. Um, thanks for following, April. Uh, <laughs> so yes, that was an on-campus intensive day. So our program is distance-based. So some okay. of the education happens at a distance, but we also have students come onto campus and do high fidelity simulations. We work on skills um, like line placement and intubations, and we do professional development activities. And it really gives us a, a good sense of, of where they are in their learning. Um, so I think that day we were working on uh, managing unstable atrial fibrillation okay. and recognizing when the patient was stable and unstable and kind of going through the decision-making process of um, chemical and electrical cardioversion and that kind of thing. I believe that's what we were doing that day. Does that sound right, Benjamin? It really looked interesting from <laughs> the pictures. Oh, it was great. I was uh, in the control room. So uh, while uh, Callie was uh, debriefing the students, you know, we recognize the value of simulation as formative and the summative evaluation, and that debriefing is a very essential component. So, um, you know, as certified health sim uh, simulation educators, it's just a great opportunity to be able to work with the students and really put their knowledge that they've read about and been tested on into a safe hands-on uh, perspective and then really debriefing with them of how did you come to that decision and and what is you know, next in your uh, differential diagnosis and plan of care. Love that. Love that. I mean, everybody learns differently and some learn really well reading the textbooks and attending the lectures and all of the discussions that you're having, the rich discussions with your um, classmates. But 
for me, and as well as it looked like for many of your students, being there really going through the motions and thinking, okay, if I'm in, I'm in this scenario, this is what's happening with my patient. How am I thinking through that critically? And how am I coming up with those differential diagnoses? And what's my plan? And then talking through that, I, I love the picture of you, Callie, sitting with the students and debriefing uh, these scenarios. And I think this really gets it where we're going when we're talking about competency-based learning. If you want to learn to put in a central line, as you said, or or repair a laceration or any of those procedures, um, as well as critically think through different scenarios, being able to do that in an environment where it's educational, you have that opportunity to ask questions, and you really are able to practice over and over again so that before you move on to the next competency, you've mastered this competency. I love this part of nurse practitioner education. I think we've really, really, um, you know, stepped out in the forefront of education with what we're doing with simulation. And you all have such a great program there. Well, I want to pivot a little bit because the other day um, there was an article in the Journal for Nursing Nurse Practitioners, JNP, and it was actually uh, written back in April, but it was a really good article. Um, and it was entitled Competency-Based Education for Nurse Practitioner Certification Alignment. And I thought this was a really, really interesting article. What what made you want to write this article? If you want to share a little bit, some highlights about what it was about. Yeah, yeah so we really wrote this opinion piece as a call to action for academia and nursing education. And so our response is really from an education perspective on what we feel is a solution to the need for certification alignment. And this came about because we started noticing more and more applicants for our postgraduate um, program, the AGACMP program, um, that many of them were board certified nurse practitioners who are actively practicing um, in acute care populations. And these NPs are our colleagues, our preceptors, and they often bring with them a really rich experience in developing differentials in treating patients and caring for this specialty population. And we thought, do they get the same experience as a traditional track NP student um, and a, you know, a traditional postgraduate NP matriculation plan doesn't consider a student's achieved NP competencies. Mm-hmm. Um, but we appreciated that the purpose of them completing our program was to align their certification with their clinical practice. And a solution okay. to, um, to this need is a postgraduate program that does a gap analysis considers current expertise and current competency. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so this program leads to a certification in the population foci that aligns with the MP's practice. And that's why we named it certification alignment. And so this is our our learner-centered approach to ensuring that we're aligning education, aligning certification and aligning practice while maintaining our standards of educational excellence. And we've had a very successful experience um, with multiple cohorts now. 
And we wanted to start to define these programs and share this solution with the nursing community. I love that. And, you know, just to take a step um, back to that. So, you know, our profession has come a long way over the past 60 years. And we really started out back in the 1960s with a wonderful uh, pioneer, Dr. Loretta Ford, and all that she did in, in terms of really putting in the foundation of advanced practice nursing education and starting to develop the role of nurse practitioner so we could really increase access to care. And as that role has evolved throughout the years, we've really seen how nurse practitioners are needed in many different settings. So really, largely in the primary care setting, but also like like we do, practice in the hospital setting and acute care settings and lots of different settings. And so how do you really evolve education and accredited education and certification, a board certification and all of that? And we've seen that evolve throughout the years to where we are today. We have national standards for accredited education, training, and national board certification. That's an amazing accomplishment as a profession. And so we have a network, it's called the LACE Network, Licensure Accreditation Certification Education. So now last year in November of 2021, the LACE Network issued a guidance statement for APRNs changing their population or role. And that's where they really came together in in 2008 and we created the joint consensus model, the the consensus document that we always refer to. And that's as we began to see education really going into different directions for advanced practice nurses. So now we have four very defined roles, nurse practitioners, clinical nurse specialists, nurse anesthetists, and certified nurse midwives. And then for nurse practitioners, we have our population foci that you just mentioned. And so we've seen education begin to branch so that we could meet this evolving need in healthcare and we could provide nurse practitioners that were educated and board certified in the different populations and with the different populations that they serve in all of these many different settings to where we are today with well over 355,000 nurse practitioners across the U.S. working in many of these settings. And I, I love the fact that you saw early on there at your program that many nurse practitioners, when they went to school 30 years, 20, 30 years ago, there were there were a few types of educational programs, and many of these were in primary care. But as we have evolved, now we have programs that focus on acute care and focus on neonatal uh, care. And and there's um, a whole educational track, accredited educational curriculum for that. And then a national board certification. And what you've seen is how do we really align um, one's background, their rich uh, background, their wealth of experience, and bring that up to match the patient population that they're wanting or seeking to care for today. So you, you specifically put out a call to action for employers and educators to review the consensus model uh, with clinical practice and consider the development of competency-based postgraduate programs for NPs to align their certification with their practice. So I've got two questions for that. The first one is when you're talking about competency-based education, what do you mean? 
Well, yeah, that's a really exciting thing for us, April. So when, when you look at competency-based education, what it really is stating is that you're creating a curriculum where students can advance based on their ability to master a skill or their competency okay. or at their skill or competency, but they're doing it at their own pace regardless of their environment. And that is very different okay. than your traditional educational models. Your traditional models, everybody is advancing the same. Everybody's review, receiving uh, their, their skills and their content at the same rate, at the same time, with the same expectations. It's more time-based, right? It's more hours. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Absol- absolutely. Have you checked the boxes? Mm-hmm. Have you done what you need to do? And what it doesn't, where traditional educational models really aren't serving our need when we're looking at our highly experienced you know, colleagues, mentors, teachers who, uh, who, are, uh, rece- or who are aligning a certification, it doesn't take into consideration all of their rich experience. And that's where using a type of educational model such right. as competency-based really, really does. It considers a practice portfolio and their huge experience that they're bringing forward rather than time-based checkboxes. Love that. Love that. And that's exactly what you were doing the other day as you were going through your simulation sessions is allowing everyone to grasp the concepts and to practice and get to uh, that point where they mastered uh, that particular competency. Now, you mentioned align. I love that term. And so there are NPs that are prepared in one area who might be interested in adding a different area. So in our case, we're talking about acute care to their portfolio and perhaps becoming an acute care nurse practitioner. So how did you, you know, really think about that term align? So we landed on alignment as a, a term because we, what we're wanting to do is clarify that these NPs have many of the skills of an adult geroacute care NP, but they might not yet have the official certification. And so we're working to create this curriculum that provides the opportunity for the uh, for these like I said these colleagues of ours their preceptors there some of them are even mentor our our own mentors to be able to demonstrate their competency to be able to then sit for their acute care certifications so now last year in November of 2021 the lace network issued a guidance statement for APRNs changing their population or role And they specifically stated when an APRN changes a role or a population, the APRN must complete an accredited graduate program, which includes a postgraduate certificate, master's or a doctorate uh, program that aligns, your word, which so well said, that aligns with the new role or population. And that APRN must sit for the national certification examination that aligns with the new role or population of education program that they successfully completed. And so now you are creating a way for so many to be able to do that. And so if I was, uh, if I am, let's just say if I was a family nurse practitioner and I'd been practicing for years before they even had the, all the different branching in our education so we could meet so many needs in healthcare. And I wanted to really 
focus on now an acute care patient population. Let's just say I wanted to care for uh, patients in the adult ICU. What would I need to do? Well, according to this statement, you need to seek out a accredited postgraduate uh, program. And this this document, I think, is great, and it gave us this terminology. We wanted the terminology and kind of the label of this program to very clearly describe its purpose, to align certification. Okay. Um, and, you know, it also says that what doesn't define NP scope of practice in 2021 is past to clinical experience, specialty certificates, or fellowships and residencies, um, because we have a lot of these wonderful educational okay. programs um, coming up. And so to us, mm -hmm. this reiterated the need for a postgraduate program like ours. Okay. Okay. Now, as an NP, what would I, and I let's just say I'm looking for that postgraduate education so that I can um, sit for the national board certification and acute care say what how do I look for a program how do I where do I start yeah definitely and Callie and I are heavily involved in our admissions process here at Duke in application review and we're frequently talking with yeah, applicants on what to consider yeah, the obvious things are where is the location of the program are you having to to move for that or relocate yourself mm -hmm. or your family is this a so the practical <clears throat> right is it yeah. a distance-based program yeah we're, mm -hmm. we all recognize that the cost of higher education is going up so what is the cost the flexibility the curriculum requirements that's where we really mm -hmm. start getting down into it is what are the curriculum requirements what am i going to have to do as somebody who is uh, wanting to attend this program and is it consistent with my life demands and so when you really uh, this is where we feel that our program is really setting ourselves uh, into a good position but also setting the stage for other programs around the country that may be considering this is you're really looking for programs that are designed to align certification and that's where the benefits of competency-based programs really show rather than our uh, postgraduate students going through a traditional educational program. Okay. And within that, really looking for healthcare systems that have a strong academic practice partnership and who have access to some of these high quality clinical rotations that can really fill the student's knowledge gap or and or procedural gap to be able to sit for the certification. As you mentioned, these these are our, our colleagues. Maybe it's the FNP, maybe it's a neonatal NP going into peds acute. So there's all of these amazing, amazing colleagues of ours and we just really need to, they need to be able to have a way that they can demonstrate their proficiency, their knowledge, their skills to be able to get closer towards uh, the, the certif uh, taking the certification exams. Got it, so you have to, I mean, you really have to look at what's out there, what fits better for you, for your lifestyle, for you to be able to continue in your career, but uh, really look for a program that really provides this rich um, education and experience. And I love the fact that you note that there are many NPs out there that have practiced for years and years. And it's so important that we not only educate, but we engage them and we honor that uh, expertise and, and 
and all that they're bringing. So, so how do you do that with your program? Yeah, a lot of that is um, that we are honoring and valuing these students as colleagues, as pot- okay. potential mentors, as role models, and as yeah, advocates for our profession within the educational setting, but while still being able to work with and, and challenge each other. And that's really how okay. our, our innovative um, uh, academic program came to be. Callie came on to work with us and I, yes, Callie and I had to sit down and we had a lot of brain sharing and said, all right, here's a problem that's, that's in our hands that we have the ability to do so much more with. So student leaders and, and really taking advantage of the fact that they've been leading in so many different spaces, Callie? Yeah, and we... For this cohort, we have very student-focused objectives. So um, mm-hmm. another example might be that the objectives that we have for the traditional track, um, you know, writing their soap notes. Maybe okay. These MPs have been writing soap notes for years, so we elevate that assignment. We change the objectives to be learner-centered, and we have them write a case report that could then be submitted um, for publication. So it's elevating the assignment. It's keeping the objectives focused on the learners. And that's where the benefit is for, for people to find certification alignment programs specifically. So do you have any examples, anyone that stands out? I, I just, how do we, can you share with us so we can really, um, experience it like with a real life example? Any, any, anybody come to mind? I don't even have to share their name or anything, but, but someone who went through the program that all of these principles and these, um, this different framework was applied and used and really helped them to grow and really get something out of this program and then, of course, be able to go on and, and sit for their national boards. Oh, absolutely. Um, we, uh, Callie and I have worked directly with individuals who are... Um, working in a medical ICU, working with a cardiology consult service or a heart failure team. Um, we've worked with several trauma NPs or nurse practitioners who are in very robust and highly demanded hospitalist services. Mm-hmm. These were individuals that their certification was in an area other than acute care, but they recognized that they uh, were desiring to add acute care certification to their portfolio. Right. And this allowed Callie and I the opportunity with each, uh, with each of these particular uh, practice areas to not only help or provide an avenue for our colleagues to fill in the education, the, uh, fill in some of the educational content that they might not have received during their original program so they could sit for certification but all of these individuals are now part of our extended network where they're precepting for us. Uh, some of them have, we've even brought on as clinical instructors to, to be able to continue to mentor the acute care students right, right. towards their own certification. Callie, any examples or any, any stories you'd like to share? I do think it's really notable how much the nurse practitioners in our program have just craved professional development. And by being involved Mm -hmm. in the certification alignment program, we've been able to offer opportunities 
to develop their teaching. It's something all nurse practitioners do is, is teach, but maybe bringing, elevating that to being more formal um, teaching on our on-campus um our on-campus intensives will have them get involved with teaching skills. Um, our case reports will work with them to get them published, and I think people have really enjoyed that. The feedback that we've gotten mm-hmm. that we've gotten is very, very positive around the professional development. So it's another opportunity to help um, further the NP profession. Okay. Yeah. You know, um, I know this is, seems like a different topic, but that's one of the things that I have really, really uh, learned over the last few years, especially being involved in several studies, is that nurse practitioners, as they go throughout their career, they crave that opportunity for professional, that continued opportunities for professional growth and development, to constantly have different avenues that they can pursue, um, how they can expand their portfolio. I've seen that over and over again uh, from nurse practitioners. They constantly want to grow, not just in the educational realm, but in health policy, in research, in, in their leadership um, acumen. And, and this program really provides that in so many ways. It provides that fulfillment, even though they're going back for education and, and so that they can sit for their national boards for the new or the expanded patient population they're wanting to serve. They're also fulfilling and growing um, their career portfolio. And that can be very satisfying. And that, that can also be very good for your mental health um, to not be burned out. You're doing something new and exciting and you're able to give back in a, in a different way. Now, we've talked a lot about your program there at Duke. It's definitely a model program. And so I want to ask you, is this type of program, can you replicate it? Is it offered at different places? Is this the only um, place that we could do something like this? Tell us a little bit more. Yeah, I think it's it's unknown how many programs are are out there currently because we haven't had a common terminology to define this type of program. And that's one of the things we're really hoping with this piece and, and talking about it here is that this terminology certification alignment be adopted by schools that are able and willing to um, to host these programs. I think particularly with large health systems that have strong academic practice partnerships, this is something that will benefit the health system and the nurse practitioners who are working there. Um, so it's definitely replicatable. Um, and I think, I think that we can all benefit from using competency-based education for these um, nurse practitioners. Right, right. And it sounds like employers have really appreciated this approach because employers are seeking uh, nurse practitioners for many different settings, and they're looking for nurse practitioners to have that education, that national board certification. And here you are offering a program that allows nurse practitioners really the opportunity to to expand and and work in, in many different areas. So as we're wrapping up, any final words of guidance uh, for our listeners out there? I would say a, a good 
point of guidance is you know, look at the programs, ask the question, are you going to be in a program where you are being taught through a traditional educational model or are you being evaluated through a competency-based um, portfolio type of program that really does accentuate and uh, your uh, your skills, your uh, background, your experiences uh, to be able to continue forward in a way that's going to be very supportive of you as a professional rather than a, a model that doesn't give you the opportunity to really demonstrate your expertise. Right, right. It's it's so much more uh, than, as you said before, it's so much more than checking the boxes or getting those hours in. It's really about mastering those skills. And, and you've been able to do that so well there. Callie? I would just um, encourage, especially RNs that are looking at nurse practitioner programs, to make sure that the population of that program matches the work that you want to be doing in the future um, so that you really have the scope of practice that you are looking for when you get to the bedside. Um, I would also encourage you to be familiar with the consensus model and to seek out professional development where you can. I think that's another really big part of um, finding the right program for you. Right, right. And you want all of that rich education, all of that competency-based uh, um, opportunities in those simulation labs so that you can really master those skills and sit for those national board certifications and, and now be able to work in those many different settings. Well, thank you both for joining us today. You have a wonderful program. It provides a solution to what many of us are seeking when we're seeking to expand our portfolio and be able to care for patients in, in different settings um, as we are today. And I just really appreciate the time to hear a little bit more about it and also to see how happy your students are and how engaged they are and how engaged your faculty and how appreciative um, so many of the employers are out there. So thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for having us today, April. Thank you. Thank you, Callie and Benjamin. This was a fascinating discussion, and I appreciated the opportunity to speak more about the APRN consensus model and innovative ways for NPs to ensure role alignment. Thank you so much for being here. I'm sure our listeners will benefit from hearing about your work and from reading the article you recently published in JNP. To our listeners, please visit the podcast description on whichever platform you're listening for links to the JNP article and other resources from this episode. AANP has a wealth of resources to support you and your success. This includes resources especially for you and your health and well-being. Please check out the new Empower Wellness Program for NPs at aanp.org. And I encourage you to get involved with your National Professional Association and add your voice to those of our NP colleagues nationwide. Your AANP membership supports advocacy efforts for nurse practitioners and our patients on critical issues like full and direct access to care, equity and payment, and changes 
to outdated laws and regulations. Please subscribe to this podcast, share it with your colleagues, and check back regularly for new episodes. And as always, be kind, be safe, be effective, and be the voice of the nurse practitioner. Thank <laughs> you.